Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Essential Eleven, brought to you by Acton Academy, Acton Academy Placer, and Apogee Strong. Today's guest is a man by the name of Todd Herman. Uh, Todd and I got to connect uh, through Instagram, actually, and I had read his book, probably my favorite book that I've read in all of 2021. Um, the guy has been entrenched in the world of elite performers for over two decades, uh, working with highest achievers in sports and in business and in entertainment. Uh, and simply put, he helps ambitious people do really hard things. Uh, he's a creator of a multi-award winning leadership and skills development program. Uh, he is a recipient of Inc.'s uh, 500 fastest growing companies. I mean, the man has done so many things in this book, this conversation uh, with the young men all are ridiculously amazing. One of the most powerful conversations I've had the entire year bar none. And you guys are going to love it with Mr. Todd Herman. It's good to see all you handsome gentlemen. And speaking of handsome gentlemen, we've got the man of the hour, Mr. Todd Herman. I'm going to pin him to the top. Everybody else is muted up, and this guy is ready to roll. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. Um, hopefully, you can hear me okay. Can hear you well, can see you well. Same on your end. Everything's okay? Everything's good, yeah. I had no idea that your, uh, your community was um, as young as it is. This is awesome. So it's been fantastic, man. So just to give you the background, kind of the, the full scope of, of everything that's going on. So I build schools here in Northern California, and I'm part of a global network of entrepreneurs that are building out a better model, right? And that's, we're just banding together to do that. So I've got some here in Northern California. Um, we started the Essential 11 podcast just to go to superstars of, you know, whether they're actors, professional athletes, CEO, entrepreneurs, billionaires, whatever that looks like and go, Hey, we've got questions from young people. Yeah. They're wanting advice from you. So we started that podcast there and then Tim and I started a mentorship program specifically for young men. And so this really just kind of brings it all together. Um, so it goes out as an essential 11 episode. Uh, but then we also have some of our young men that we get the opportunity to mentor. They get to jump on and, and they'll have some questions directly for you during the hour. So it's great stuff. Sweet, Yeah, man. So I hope cool. I get lots of questions. I, I'd much rather hear them ask me questions than me uh, go on whatever spiel I could end up going on. Um, so, and they ask better be questions than I do anyways. Like they're, well, they're relevant, right? They're like, relevant. Um, That's yeah. It. So this is where I started though. I mean, when I started, building my company in 1997, I was working with teenage, teenage, young teenage athletes. I had just got done playing college football. Um, I was a nationally ranked badminton player as well because football and badminton go perfectly together. I was going to say, I was going to say, then didn't you play badminton as well? That was my next question. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So you're well, so well researched. And, uh, yeah. And then, so I was working with, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old, uh, uh, kids as young as uh, eight years old that all had like really big athletic aspirations. So that's so this, cool. This takes me back to the roots. It's so cool, man. So I want to talk about you know just I know just briefly like how you kind of got into this in the first place because I've got to tell you first and foremost, uh, Alter Ego Effect is my favorite book by far that I read in 2021. My my favorite. I, we're gonna I, take that. We're gonna take that clip, Matt, and we're you, gonna put that on you the take website. It, you put it anywhere you want, um, <laughs> because it is far and away, and it is something that part of what I loved about it is something that um, almost put a it put a framework around something that you know I think I kind of exactly. intuitively knew. Right? It's that. Yeah. Um, And I've talked about it from my own perspective as, you know, as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, all of those things that I experienced, I was a different guy when I'd go into fight than I was outside of the fight. I was um, a different dad when I was home and that I was the entrepreneur at work and, and then working with young people. It's the intensity of seeing that five-year-old that gets out to you know break and just becomes this superhero. And it's like, you see all this and you put the yeah. framework around there beautifully. So very well done, sir. So another person I want you to get on the podcast who's a superstar is, do you know Brian Johnson from the world of optimize.me, heroic? Um, I mean, he's, he I might, I did. he's on pace to probably build the fastest $1 billion company in history. Okay. He'll surpass uh, Clubhouse. Um, most likely, but I mean, right near wheelhouse and, cool. and these kids would, would eat up Brian as well. So very cool. Thank I'll you for that. Intro. 
after. Thank you for that. I appreciate that greatly. So, so how, yeah, how did you step into this? How did you step into this space? If we can just talk about that journey, because you are yeah. um, a phenomenal, you know, not just an author, obviously you're a phenomenal coach to, to so many people. So how did you get into this space? Yeah. So I'll give kids like, I'll give everyone that's listening here, Finn and Noah and uh, Parker and uh, Kapoor. I know that you had sent in the uh, email to Matt saying you wanted to be the first one to ask a question. So I know that sure I'm did. looking at you. I did the first question jumping in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just want to show people where I'm at now. Please. So I was a high school football player in Alberta, Canada, where I grew up. I grew up on a big farm and ranch, middle of nowhere, 32,000 acres, everybody. So wow. literally I'm an extrovert. And I know that there's some kids talking uh, before about hunting and stuff like that. Like, I mean, that was my world growing up. And, uh, but I'm an extrovert. I mean, it's not cool when you're an extrovert and your best friends are cows and horses. Um, I wanted to be around human beings. So I made a, in my head, I was eight years old. I was riding around on my horse Cracker Jack on the farm. And uh, I was like, well, New York City, that's where I'm going to live someday. And, um, and we really didn't have television where, I mean, not that I'm making myself sound like I grew up on chuck wagons and uh, stuff like that, but we just didn't have very much television. So I didn't even have a picture of New York City. I just knew that that was a place I wanted to go to. And then I ended up getting to New York City um, 16 years ago or whatever it is. But um, I was a, a young high school football player, really good. And um, even in my high school yearbook, it, uh, it said that um, I was going to be the first Canadian to win the Heisman Trophy. That didn't happen. Um, didn't even come close. Um, and then I, and my, I won an award in my, in my graduating year. And I told everyone, you'll see me on NFL films one day. Um, cause NFL films, you know, right. does, it always does biographies at that time of like the greatest, you know, guys on the gridiron and stuff. And, um, well, last year, NFL Films did a small documentary on me and my work in the NFL with alter egos like Russell Wilson was in it, Bo Jackson, lots of different players. Love so it. I made it on NFL Films, just not in the way that I thought it was going to be. And yeah. I wanted to kind of set that as a you know ending point for you, all of you because you, maybe you've got like some like hopes and dreams and aspirations that you want to go and do. And the greatest thing that I've learned now that I'm in my 40s is. Um, if you're just open to different possibilities, you like, it's shocking how some of this stuff can come to fruition for you. And I mean, my, my idea was getting there as a football player, but in the end, I've been able to work with hundreds and hundreds of NFL football players over my career. Instead of being one, I've helped them with their careers. And then, you know, you know, Real Madrid and, you know, Boston Red Sox, Yankees, Rain, New York Rangers, like you name the sports team or the league. And I've pretty much operated inside of it. But where did I start? When I got done playing college football, um, I busted up my leg really badly, broke it in half at the knee. Um, so it went backwards Ooh, and, uh, my game. tibia and fibula came out the side of my leg. Oh, so was I was done playing football and it was my first, it was my rookie year. Oh. And, um, so that sucked. And I, um, but my strength, I was not a phys I'm not a physically good, I'm not six foot four, 245 pounds, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I actually didn't use it as a crutch growing up. I was always a very short kid. And then in grade nine, um, I grew six inches in six weeks, uh, which is like rapid. It actually, you know, kind of tore up my knees a little bit because you're just growing so fast. But, um, I, I never really ever focused on the fact that I was smaller or that I was younger than other kids. I, I couldn't put on weight very well. Like I would eat 4,000 calories and just nothing. I had metabolism would just you know, just chew it all up. And, um, so some of you could probably relate to that. And, um, when I got my football scholarships, I was 159 pounds, six feet. But, um, while I couldn't beat people in size, my speed, I, I could run a sub four, four forty in 1992, wow. uh, which was very uncommon, yep. uh, for, for kids. So got these scholarships, but when I couldn't play anymore, I started volunteering at a high school, working with the defensive backs, because that was kind of my world. And I spent more time talking to the young kids about their mental game, just the six inches between their ears, because that's what I had done really well. I had found a way to consistently get into the zone and flow state every single game I played. Not like every now and then, because it's a biological process. If you do these things and you topple the dominoes, you can make it happen. And people think that it's more mystical than what it really is. And so that's how I kind of built my name in sport was getting people that process. 
But the key to it all for me was I never went on the field as Todd Herman. Todd didn't go play. Geronimo went and played. Mm-hmm. Geronimo was my alter ego. And only later did I realize all the things I was doing right to help me get into that zone and flow state because I was disassociating from my own identity, you know, where judgment, self-criticism, worry, and doubt sits. And I'm now adopting the identity of what was seven other people, okay? Because my alter ego was um, a combination of Walter Payton, who was my hero, football player, Chicago Bears, legendary running back. Um, Ronnie Lott, who was a devastating defensive player for um, the 49ers. And then a tribe of five Native American warriors. Where I grew up in um, Southern Alberta, it uh, was famous for when Sitting Bull had the Battle of Little Bighorn and they fled. So they you know, killed Custer and the whole um, army. And then they fled across the border into Canada. They actually came and um, stayed on our family's ranch um, back in the 1800s uh, for a little bit of time. And then they settled somewhere else. But I used to ride around as a kid on my horse looking for um, old Indian artifacts because there were still fire rings that were on our ranch. And I would go and dig around. And I was just fascinated with the Native culture. Still am to this day. I'm a bit of an Indian culture buff uh, or Native American buff. And um, so... I had these, this tribe of five and um, I'll give you guys the process because it's very, very helpful to kind of show you, this is the stuff that I work with elite athletes, CEOs, entertainers in Hollywood on as well is how you can start to use the power of visualization in your mind to direct you to where you want to go. Um, if any of you ever hear other people tell you that visualization is easy, they don't know what they're talking about because it's not easy. It is a skill like anything else. We use visualization. We call it forethought every day. Like if I said to Logan, you know, I'm a, hey, can you go and grab the new um, uh, Fortnite game at GameStop today? Like even in your head, you might already, because maybe you know the local GameStop and you can go in your head and you're like, okay, that's going to be an aisle number two. You're using forethought in that moment. So that's a very easy thing because we, we use it for like daily tasks, but most people don't use it very well when it comes to thinking about what you want in life. And so my process was I'd be in the football locker room getting ready for the game. And um, I had five trading cards uh, sitting next to me on, my, uh, on the bench next to me. And I went into my mind and uh, closed my eyes. And I had this theater that I built out in my head where I would play movies of seeing myself do stuff into the future, mm. you know, be on NFL films, think about the aspirations that I wanted one day, speaking on stages around the world, having a book. Cause even back then I knew I wanted to write a book. It just took me 33 years to go and write the book, the alter ego effect. Cause I didn't know the book I was going to go write. I thought it was going to be a fiction book, frankly. I mean, I didn't even know about nonfiction back then. So, um, so I went into my mind and I, I walked in this one door. It's always the door that I entered. And then at the other end, there was two other doors. And then there was the movie screen. Okay. So um, in through the one door walked Walter Payton and Ronnie Lott in their football gear. They start walking towards me. And then the other door walks the tribe of the five Native American warriors walking towards me as well, um, led by Geronimo. And um, as they are approaching me, um, Geronimo uh, reaches out to hand me five trading cards, the same five that are sitting next to me in the physical world. Right. And, uh, Walter Payton says, uh, to me, I want you to take, we want, we want you to take, um, these five trading cards as a representation of the way that we would show up on that field today. And so then I would reach out to grab the five trading cards from Geronimo. And as I grabbed them, he would tug them back away from me. And my arm would go like that. And then that's when Walter Payton would lean into me and say, but don't you for one second ever dishonor our memory by not playing like we would up there. Mm. And that was for me to connect to the spirit. Mm-hmm. Cause these people I held in reverence, the emotion of it. You have to attach to the emotion of it. Mm. We're triune beings. This is like, if any of you are taking notes, you're a mental, emotional, and physical self. Mm. Most of you can have ideas about what you want to go and do. That's the mental. That's the you thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But then do you go out there and actually do it? Most of us have a hard time getting the ideas that we have out into the world, the behavior, the physical self making it happen. Why? Because there's this bridge that every idea has to walk across. And that's the emotional self. 
if you have a hard time seeing yourself, believing yourself, having the conviction of doing that thing, then all of a sudden it gets stopped up in that process. So the emotion, the storytelling self has to be there. So that's what happened. And then I would pull the cards now finally from Geronimo because I'd nod my head and say, yes, sir. And then I had the five cards in my hand in my own mind. I opened up my eyes. I grabbed the five trading cards now next to me. I took one of, they were, there was three of Walter Payton and two of Ronnie Lott. I took one of Walter Payton's and I stuffed it inside the helmet pads, the, the soft padding inside the helmet, because I wanted to think like Walter Payton out there. I wanted to see the field like he would. And then I took his other two and I put them inside my thigh pads. I stuffed them inside my thigh pads because I wanted to run like him. And then I took the other two of Ronnie Lott, who was known as a devastating hitter, mm-hmm. and I stuffed them inside my shoulder pads, each one, so I could hit like him up there. And then I put on my helmet and I never connected my strap in the locker room. It was only when I got off the bus and I stepped onto the uh, pavement when you would get to the actual field itself, because typically we didn't play at like a home field where we'd run out of the locker room. It was always, right. we always got bus to it. And I would snap on my chin strap. And the moment that that snapping sound hit, that's when the tribe of Amer- Native American warriors were rushing to my heart so that I could take the spirit of them out onto that football field. So when you saw this 159 pound soaking wet kid coming at you who looked scrawny, you weren't playing against me. Yeah. There was eight of us playing because I had seven other people coming with me. I still get chills to this day. Oh, I'm, I had I'm such fired a up right process. now. I'm fired up right now. I'm yeah. absolutely fired up right now. God, I freaking, I love that. And those are the, the, the people that you're using for that. That's amazing. And the, so this was just something you intuitively started kind of putting together. There was nobody, I mean, there wasn't all these movies that split and, and all of these. No. Tim Grover wasn't out talking about the mama mentality. I mean, none of that. You just kind of, you intuitively were kind of harnessing that. 100%. And I mean, I'm no, I'm no different. Like when I met Bo Jackson, I tell about if, if any of you have read the book or seen the book or whatever, literally page one and page two is me talking about when I met Bo Jackson, arguably the greatest athlete of all time. And I mean, he was just dumbfounded that because he, his words were the exact same words as me. He said, Bo Jackson never played a down of football his entire life. Yep. You know, and his alter ego, his challenge was that he was overly emotional. He was a bit of an angry kid. Mm -hmm. And so while it sounds like that would be great as a running back when you're going out there and like smashing people, right? But the problem was, was he was a little bit uncoachable Mm -hmm. and he would take some bad penalties. He would retaliate and stuff. And um, so one night he's watching a movie and he sees this character come on the screen and it's cold, calculating, unemotional, methodical. And he thought to himself, wait a second, why don't I just take that out onto the football field? He's leveraging his creative imagination, what every single one of you does so well right now. When adults have a hard time with this stuff, you guys don't. You guys can leverage these ideas way faster than an adult can because you haven't learned how to not use your creative imagination yet. And so it was Jason Voorhees, Jason from Friday the 13th. That was his (laughs) alter ego. Awesome. Which sounds crazy to some people because they're like, wait, he battled with anger issues and he took a serial killer out onto the football field. And I was like, yeah, but that wasn't the connection. His right. connection point wasn't serial killer. His connection point was here he is doing his thing with no emotion whatsoever. So his mission on the football field was to destroy everything in my path, dot, 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 with no emotion. Because he was destroying everything in his path on the football field with emotion before and it was getting him in trouble. So even thinking about this as a takeaway, what's the thing or what's the area of your life that you're, that what's the emotion that's getting in the way? Mm -hmm. So your next statement is you're going to try and do the exact same thing, but without that thing. Right. So that was, because that was Bo's. It was now with no emotion. So he said, Bo Jackson never put it down in football his entire life. It was Jason. Jason played the football. And so his whole activation moment, I call it the phone booth moment in the book, was when he was going out onto the football field and the moment that the, um, the runway of the locker room met the turf. Mm-hmm. He made a very deliberate heel to toe motion with his foot. And the moment the pad of his foot hit the football field, his right foot, not his left foot, his right foot. When the moment the pad of that foot hit the football field, that's when a spark came up from the field. Cause Jason lived in the field. Jason stayed in the field. When he walked off that field, Jason didn't go with him. Thank God. Right. Cause we don't want some guy walking around in society like Jason. Yeah. No, Jason lived on the field. And that's when Jason would enter him and take over. Even Kobe, who's a friend. I mean, I right. helped Kobe with the whole Black Mamba Black stuff. Mamba. Yep. Um, uh, his whole thing was he entered the cage in the locker room because I 
talk, talk to him about, you know, how my process and, you know, not everyone uses the same method, but he entered the cage with the mama and that's where he lived for that two hours that he was going out there to compete on that court. Mm. It's what the greats do. We have, uh, um, the high school that I grew up in, uh, we were the bulldogs. That was our, our mascot. And, and if you look at our, uh, at the mascot logo, um, it is kind of this almost like swashbuckling, but kind of very a confrontation, you know, a confrontational bulldogs. You don't usually see just, you know, usually you just see the face, but it's very much obviously like in the midst of a fight. And that was made, created after a man named Dennis Alexio, who grew up and went to high school there, became a world heavyweight kickboxing champion back in uh, the 90s before kickboxing, you know, had the meteoric rise that, that it's had. Um, he was known as the the maimer. He actually created this. It was the maimer dog because of the way he would maim people on the field because of the way he maimed a couple of other kids in fights that he got in at school. Right. And so it was very much, he ended up being my kickboxing coach for a while. And he always talked about that transition where, where Dennis never stepped in the ring, but the maimer yeah. was the guy that went into the ring. And I remember him saying that, but I didn't, you know, fully grasp, um, you know, the context of that until I really started uh, competing myself. So, um, it's such, that's such powerful imagery and the way you, you break it down and the way you break down those transitions is something that I think is phenomenal. So how did you make that transition from, look, you're incorporating that into your daily life. Yeah. Uh, what did that transition look like into where now it's a profession? Now you're helping other people do this at the highest level possible. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I had that. I, I, I just thought it was something that was unique to me. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I thought it was something weird that I was doing <laughs> to try and cope <laughs> yeah. with the fact yeah. that I was, um, uh, you know, undersized. Yeah. And in fact, some of the best alter egos were built as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. We, we did it as a necessity to almost um, still try and pursue the aspirations that we had because we had a hard time seeing ourselves do it. Mm-hmm. Halsey, you know, the famous pop singer of today. So her name is an anagram of her actual name. Her real name is Ashley. Got it. Her performing name is Halsey. All she did was flip around a few different letters. But in an interview um, two years ago, she was saying how um, she couldn't see herself going out and doing what she wanted to go and do. Ashley couldn't go do that. Ashley had way too many traumas and doubts and concerns about herself and that identity but Halsey could go and do it. So I built Halsey to go and pursue my singing career. Mm. And same thing with me. Geronimo was built to help me to help carry my aspirations out onto that football field. Yep. Right. And then when I got into the, uh, the world of business, I was 21. I started this business. I looked like I was 12. I mean, I looked like I looked, I looked like I was Noah for crying out loud. I was 21 years old. <laughs> and so going out on standing on stages and trying to speak and talk to other people. I was like, so insecure with how young I looked, who's going to take me seriously. Who's going to listen to the person talking about the mental game when he doesn't have six degrees behind his belt. He doesn't have three best selling books, all these rules that I was putting in my head that was stopping me from going out and delivering value to people. Don't forget that gang. You can go there and deliver value to other people and you don't have to have nine letters behind your name because you've got six degrees or three degrees or two degrees even. You can always go out there and deliver value. I was just way better at a lot of other sports psychologists at actually connecting to young people. Some of them did it as a career. They didn't care. I loved sport and I loved helping other teenagers master sort of the inner game thing. And it gave a hunger for me. I would, I would work 20 hours a day. Some of it just reading so I can get more and more information and be this insatiable appetite so I could help, you know, Parker solve whatever his issue was yesterday that I couldn't help him with that day. Right. But then I would take that problem with me into the evening and I would go, okay, well, what's the thing? What can I help him with? So that tomorrow I can follow up with him and say, do this instead. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, but I was insecure. It was stopping me from going out there and making the phone calls so I could book speeches and book workshops and, you know, call on other people and grow my actual business. So, um, but I remembered about Geronimo. And I was like, wait a second, why don't I do the exact same thing? Geronimo isn't built to go win in business though. He's built to win on the football field, but he's not built to win in business. So let's build a new one. And I built Super Richard. That's why you've got this in the background right behind me, which is a gift from Jason Ratliff who makes all these paintings, but it's an image of me carrying my book with Superman behind me right? Which sort of carries the spirit of what the alter ego really is. 
And so um, Super Richard was a composite of Superman, Benjamin Franklin, and Joseph Campbell. I love Joseph it. Campbell, who wrote one of the greatest books ever. He's a mythologist. Um, and um, I ended up later, years later being able to work with the Joseph Campbell Foundation and advising on the board and stuff. Um, but him, Benjamin Franklin, and, and Superman. And I took traits and attributes from each of them and combined them together, just like I did with Walter Payton, Ronnie Lott, and the Native American warriors. I combined traits and abilities into this one mechanism called Super Richard. Why Super Richard? Well, Superman, taking part of his name. My first name is actually Richard. Um, I thought Richard just sounded more distinguished and made yeah. me sound yeah. older than Todd did. Right. Um, but my, my family always called me Todd and never called me Richard. And so Super Richard, I didn't tell other people to call me that, by the way, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was just my name for myself. And I went to um, an optometry store in West Edmonton Mall, where I was living at the time, it was in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And uh, it was a lens crafters store. And this was before wearing fake eyeglasses became like a fashionable thing. And I went in and asked if I could get a pair of fake glasses um, or non-prescription glasses. And the optometrist looked at me over there like, this is back when everyone was getting LASIK eye surgery. No one wanted to wear glasses back yeah. then. And, um, but I wanted to do the reverse Clark Kent. Clark Kent took off the glasses to become Superman. I would put on the glasses to become Super Richard. Mine was just the reverse. I was using an already existing mechanism. Yep. You know, that was my phone booth moment. Like before the chin strap was, or the playing cards, I wanted to find something that I could wear. Um, and in the book, I talk about the importance of having a uniform, having right. a totem, having an artifact, having something that you can use to help you activate this new self. That's why, I mean, just by a show of hands for the ones that are, have their video on, how many of you play video games? Okay. You're actually all doing it already. Because that's what makes video games such a, an empowering thing for young people or for any, really anybody, not just young people, is because you get to step into a new avatar. Mm. And the video controller is the totem and the artifact. It's mm. the thing that you're wearing or that you get to hold on to. And you feel like you're becoming something else. You're already leveraging this. You're just doing it inside of a virtual world. You can take all that same stuff and put it inside the real world as well. Mm. And so Super Richard became my alter ego. And um, the qualities that I wanted to bring forth was someone who was confident, decisive, and articulate. Because my struggle was I was not confident. <laughs> I was not acting decisively. I was indecisive. I wasn't taking the actions I needed to take, whether they were right or wrong. I just wasn't taking anything. And I wasn't very articulate, meaning I wasn't describing what I did as a business very well. I wasn't good at sort of saying to other people what I was good at because of the false humility and the insecurity. And I needed to own that. I needed to own that statement of, no, I'm, I'm building the largest, uh, the world's largest peak performance and mental toughness training company. I needed to say that. And I did built the world's largest peak performance and mental toughness training company. Tim Grover, who you talked about before, we finally met just a few years ago, Very Sarah cool. Blakely who owns Spanx brought the two of us. And then my other friend, Frank Shamrock, who's the former UFC legend in to speak at this big. Yeah. If you want to connect into, if you want a connection to Shamrock, I'll connect you. Frank is my old coach. Shut up. Really? Frank is my old coach. Yeah. So when I competed, <laughs> I competed in mix in mixed martial arts. I went from kickboxing, did some uh, fights very early on. I was in San Jose and man, and, and Frank was my coach. I ended up fighting for, for his team and, and uh, fighting and new Ken, you know, very well too. So yeah. Yep. I, I, I bring in Frank to speak at a lot of my events. That's um, awesome. uh, every time I'm in LA, we always do dinner together. That's awesome. So, um, but anyways, the three of us going to speak and, um, and I hadn't met Tim yet. We had shared clients kind of over the years, but we'd never met. And Tim came up behind me and gave me this big bear hug. And he's like, I wish I had come up with that alter ego stuff. That stuff is gold. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's so and then we did a shot of whiskey together. Um, so it was a funny moment, but. Yeah. So I mean, super so, Richard was, was a way for me to disassociate from these insecurities that I had and these doubts that I had and become and step into something else. Again, at the end of the day, it's the creative imagination that keeps on unlocking these different capabilities for me and for other people. Unreal, man. I love, I love that. Thank you for sharing all that. And Joseph Campbell's work too. Every, uh, the schools that, that we build around the globe, you know, we got a couple hundred of us now globally. Um, everything we do is through the hero's journey. We talk about Joseph yeah. Campbell's work incessantly, you know, and that's, that's what we're trying to build out too. So 
Um, you got to enter the cave. You got to enter, enter the cave. cave. That's exactly right. My goodness. You guys, I'm going to let you guys start getting your hands up. Aditya has been promised first, or he kind of stole first dibs. I don't know what we want to call it, but Aditya has got the first hand. And I'm going to start. He's a man of action. No, no, no. no. Don't. don't put, he's a man of action. There is right? no Just like Superman is. There is no doubt about it. Um, before I call on Aditya, I want to ask you, what, what are your thoughts on the movie Split? Just the, just the concept of him, just because it has come up so many times, both in the podcast and our conversations with these young guys, just the context of this guy creating the 23 different personalities and each one having different physical manifestations. I've always yeah. loved that portion of it. Just curious to hear what your thoughts if you've seen it i think it's powerful right yeah. like so one of the biggest questions that people have said is like oh is this like me being fake or is this unhealthy right. no right. because you're deliberately doing it that's right like I, and i come from like my oldest brother has schizophrenia i know that world really well mm -hmm. schizophrenia is when you don't choose it yep me choosing the identities that i want in my life is a very different thing that's me leveraging the superpowers that human beings are gifted with which is our creative imagination that's right. right. Yep. It's a very, I'm driving the bus. My hand is on the steering wheel. That's an important right? Yep. Um, and so it's, it's, it's very, it's very different. And what it also does is it honors the fact that, you know, you know, who Finn is here right now, Finn's a student right now and he's listening and he's absorbing and hopefully he's thinking to himself, man, this Todd Herman guy is freaking wicked smart. Like, Absolutely. man, this guy's yeah. awesome. Right. <laughs> nod your head. You have yes, to nod yes, your head. That's the yes. only, that's the only appropriate right. response. <laughs> um, so you're like, but we have these different roles that we take like Matt right now, you're the inquisitive interviewer. Mm -hmm. And then you're also the CEO and the leader of a movement as well. And those are two different roles. Right. They need two different traits and attributes that you need to succeed in both of them. It's just that most people play these roles in life and they're not deliberate and intentional about how they want to infuse that role with the capabilities that they really want. Right. All I'm doing is I'm being extremely intentional when I'm working with, you know, a pro athlete, an Olympian, an entertainer, a CEO, an entrepreneur. We're very deliberate about who the hell is showing up. And that is one of the big differences between the people who succeed in life and the ones who don't succeed in life is the level of intentionality that they're bringing into the moments of their day. That's right. Right. Spot. You know, even behind me. So I've got my other inspirations, you know, so we talked about like the intensity of Bo Jackson or me on the football field, but that, this yeah. is my alter ego there he as is. a dad. There's Fred Rogers, you know, because you know, think about it guys all day long. I'm flexing this muscle of being this like challenger personality type. I'm working with some of the biggest egos on the planet, right? You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, people at Real, Real Madrid, others that I'm talking to, Kobe even. And it would be very easy for me to think that that's who I am. I'm a challenger, but I'm not. That's just me using certain traits to be successful in this role that I've got as a coach or as a leader or as a mentor to people. Is that what my kids need? Do, do you guys want a parent who's like constantly challenging you and, you know, you know, suck it up and be better and all this? No, right? Like my three little kids, they need some patience. They need some kindness. They need some like loving attention. They need some creativity. They need some fun. And Mr. Rogers is the best embodiment of that to me. Plus I'm connected to it. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers. So it's not a big leap in my head to try to like enact those qualities. Right. To them. Now, do I succeed all the time? Am I Mr. Rogers -y all the time? Of course not. But if I'm better 20% of the time, that's a huge difference to, on that field of play in my life. That's right. So going back to the whole idea of the, the, or, or the movie Split, yeah, that's someone being very intentional. It's just that they might have been controlled by it rather than being intentional with it. Controlling it. So good, man. Thank you. That's beautiful. All right, Aditya, you are up, sir. Good morning, sir. Thank you for coming on to the call. Absolutely. So, uh, Mr. Boudreau introduced this idea of alter egos to us in March, and then in the sixth project, it was that's where we develop our own alter egos. But one of my like it like I've been very very like I've been thinking about it a lot, and you know like I created my alter egos and then I used them for quite a bit, and then I think for a bit I stopped using them. But I think like what the the kind of uh, dilemma in my head was it's like we kind of create when when we don't have the alter egos it's like we have the egos which are unconscious and we're kind of just operating because and those are like survival strategies that we've come up with and then it's like we're creating the alter egos to create like better survival strategies where we're being intentional about how we are operating but like what like 
does when we actually switch to the alter egos and we start using these different personalities do we actually over time do we resolve the trauma that had caused us to create the egos in the beginning good question great question in fact i've done 245 podcast episodes and that might be the 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 best question anyone's asked they're, they're um awesome. so yep hat tip to you you might have a future in journalism um so yes sometimes and no okay so have people like let's use um ashley as an example halsey did she resolve the internal trauma that she had that ashley wasn't worth it yes she did she resolved it and now she sees herself in a very different way so there's a quote that i share inside the book where Cary Grant, who is a Hollywood gun, a golden era actor of the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. He grew up in um, Bristol, England, uh, poor family, a single mom, and um, uh, but had these aspirations, like had nothing growing up, and um, had but had these aspirations of somehow making it to Hollywood. Now you have to remember, like back then, Bristol, England to Hollywood was like you know, earth to Mars. It was just now the world is a lot more flat, meaning, you know, you know, my idea of going to Hollywood isn't as big of a idea as it was back then because social media and like the world is just more accessible to people now. Um, so, you know, and he made it to Hollywood and, um, but he battled a lot of mental health stuff throughout his life, depression, anxiety, and stress disorders and stuff. Um, but while he was there, um, he started dressing in a very different way. Okay. He dressed like the Cary Grant that all of us know, which is this very, you know, three piece suit. He was known as being very charming and debonair and charismatic. Okay. Um, and in the, at the end of his career, an interview was asking about his career. And, um, and he said, you know, I, I created the person I wanted to be, or he became me, but at some point we met. Mm. So I created the person I wanted to be, or he became me, but at some point we met. So getting back to your question, do we sometimes, does the alter ego help us resolve whatever the, um, the, the trauma was or the insecurity was, which was why we built it? The answer is yes. And the answer is no. Some people it does. Nope. Some people it doesn't. They're still dealing with the trauma of the past. And now they need to go to maybe therapy to resolve it. Like mine, it didn't resolve my traumas from the past because I had, I was a, a 12 year old kid at a church camp and I was sexually abused over the course of a couple of days by a couple of men. Okay. My alter ego didn't resolve the traumas, but it helped me continue to pursue my aspirations mm. because I could have very easily let that trauma rule my life for the rest of my life and then done nothing. Yep. And now I'm not only not doing anything with my life. I'm also constantly in this state of darkness, but the alter ego constantly helped bring light into my life. I kept on pursuing things. I kept on having wins. It got, it allowed me to see other capabilities that I had, but it didn't change the fact that at some point in time, which unfortunately for me, I waited longer than I should have until just really four years ago, I resolved all that trauma stuff finally. And now there's even more freedom. Like the cape just got bigger on the back of what I can go and do and what I think I can go and do. Right. So I don't know. Does that help to kind of answer that question? It does. And a further question would be, what do you think would have happened if uh, that trauma was resolved initially instead of ha it having been resolved after all of these years? I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, maybe, um, maybe there's even more that I could have done. Like who knows where I could be right now um, if, I, if I had resolved it earlier on. So that's why I try to say to people like, for as extraordinarily difficult as it is to be brave enough and courageous enough to face down whatever those demons were of the past, um, lean into it as early as you can. I wished I actually would have done it before I ended up having kids, right? Um, because that was actually the spurring moment of me wanting to go and resolve it was I didn't want to, what I call secondhand trauma. I didn't want to give my kids secondhand trauma, right? Cause there was always this little angry guy that was brewing within because of the stuff that happened in the past. And then I resolved it. Right. Um, so the answer is, I don't know. Um, and, uh, but what I don't want you to think about is, and anyone else, because I can't push someone to go and resolve those things. 
but I can because I'm a performance guy. None of us can wait on the sidelines of life for our aspirations. We just can't. No one has the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to check out on life for two years and go get myself right. I don't have clients that can do that because they're competing in the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball or in soccer over in Europe. They don't have that luxury. Matt doesn't have the luxury to step away from his business for two years most of the time because he still wants to carry the mission forward. And so while you're doing that, alter egos are the trusted friend within to help you actualize these things, which is actually what the root of the term alter ego comes from. Cicero said it in uh, 44 BC. He was the one who coined the term alter ego in a letter to a friend. Cicero was widely known as the greatest Roman statesman and philosopher of that time. And a friend was asking him um, what his basically secrets of success were. And he was in a uh, caravan going off to another town and he wrote in his, he was writing his response and he coined that's in the letter to his friend. He coined the term alter ego. And he said, it was the trusted friend within to help me go and pursue these different goals and aspirations I had in life. So, you know, that's my biggest problem with the self-help and personal development world. And Matt, I'm sure you've come across this too, because of your own personal experience, but a lot of the books that unfortunately are very popular books are not written by practitioners. I'm a practitioner. Every day, I'm on Zoom calls yep. like this, one-on-one, mano-a-mano, yep. with some pretty intense people doing some pretty intense things in some pretty intense environments. A lot of the stuff that you would think is written about in self-help books, that's not what we use yep. to succeed yep. in life. At the end of the day, one of the most important things that these elite people have is an internal attitude that isn't expressed in the public world. Right. I'll give you one for an example, okay? Just so you can get some insights into how one person who is widely regarded as the greatest athlete of his entire sporting history, okay? His actual attitude on the field is, these people that compete against me don't deserve to be on that field with me. They don't deserve to even sniff my cleats. And so it's my, including teammates. So it's my responsibility to go out there and show them just how much further they have to go to even sniff my cleats. (laughs) right? Now he's not going to say that in a press conference. He's going to give you all the platitudes and like, Hey, how did you become successful? Oh, you know, well, you know, I said affirmations to myself, which by the way, affirmations statistically proven to cause depression and a depressive state in people. If you're saying something to yourself, that isn't true. If you're reinforcing something that you already believe about yourself, it's proven to strengthen and fortify that little cable. Mm. But telling yourself that you're something that you're not is not helpful. It causes depression. University of Waterloo in um, Ontario, Canada did a study on that. Stanford Neuroscience Research Lab did a study on that. King's College in London did a study on that. Copenhagen did a study on that. All of them came up with the exact same things. People who state affirmations to themselves that are not true, it causes a depressive state in people. You're not going to hear that in most self-help books. Why? Because everyone got on the freaking train of self-help and they're all rah-rahing the exact same principle. And that's how I know they're not working with people one-on-one. Read practitioners or what I actually encourage people to do more, read biographies. Yeah. If you read the biography, Will Smith just came out. I know Will Smith. Great biography that just came out. Matthew McConaughey's that just came out. Tina Fey. Read lots of biographies because here's what you're going to hear, guys. I doubted myself. I didn't have confidence. I didn't have self-esteem. Didn't believe in myself. And yet, when you get to the end of the book, here's someone who succeeded at so many different things. Mm-hmm. So maybe doubt, lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence are just a part of the human condition. That's right. Yep. All of you mm-hmm. trying to pursue fixing self-doubts, it's the tangled web. You mm-hmm. just got caught in the spider's trap. I don't worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Todd's going to have doubts. Todd's going to lack self-confidence sometimes. Todd's going to some, lack some self-esteem. That doesn't change the fact that I can know what I want. That's right. Your job is to know what you want, Hmm. clarify what you want. That's why that idea of being able to powerfully visualize what it is that you want is one of the super skills any human being can develop. Know what you want. So most people think about what they don't want, right? It is a very challenging skill for human beings because of negativity bias, which is a natural effect that human beings have. You're bombarded every single day that Antonio isn't, you know, strong enough, smart enough, you know, whatever, until he buys the new Nike shoes, mm-hmm. right? You're bombarded with commercialism that says that you're not worth something until you have it. 
So it builds up this negativity bias inside of all of us. We think about what we don't want. No, the best of the best know what they want and they can go and pursue it. And you can go and pursue it with some of the weight of doubt, lack of confidence or whatever. But the alter ego borrows confidence. The alter ego borrows vision. The alter ego borrows the sinew and the muscle that you need to go and pursue it because you can disassociate from all those doubts and step into someone that you don't think doubts themselves. Guys, I can, I can tell you right now, I'm going to end up having to take, uh, even when, when we're done with this, I'm going to end up having to take a break. You guys are going to end up having to do all this stuff because I have so many things. Um, this, is, this is one of my favorite quite literally one of my favorite podcasts I've ever gotten to do too. And that's saying, I, I appreciate, I appreciate all this so much. So good, man. So yeah, good. Man. All right, Logan, you're up, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the call today. This is like a very in- interesting concept I've never heard about before. And I guess there's probably a reason why I've never heard about it because very few people understand it very well. Right. So I'm kind of wondering how I think you kind of touched on this earlier, but how can you not become in this, like, de- how can you not go in this depressive state? Like when you're, you said something about affirmations, like how, wh- where's the line between an affirmation and, uh, you know, something that you actually are? Like, how can you build that alter ego so you don't go into a depressive state? Like, how can you attribute these things to the alter ego without lying to yourself. I guess that's a better way of putting it. Okay. So Matt, everyone here is young. Everyone here doesn't access to have access to the same credit cards as you and I. Mm-hmm. So whoever attended this thing live today, get me their email addresses and names, and I'll give everybody here a free gift to my alter ego masterclass course, um, which is the video course on how you can really, the book, the book talks about the method. Everything's in the book, mm-hmm. but if you want like you know, I go through more video examples of like, you know, whether it's Kobe or, you know, um, uh, David Goggins and, and, and just I pluck out some of the stuff. So that, that'll help with kind of Logan's um, question as well. So red. But um, uh, I have yet to find someone that when they have used the method of developing an alter ego, fall into some sort of depressive state. Like when you're actually activating this thing, Mm -hmm. if there's any sort of level of um, angst or frustration, it's that they're employing the method, but it's not working for them. And here's what I tell everyone on that. Most of the time, it's because you used your intellectual brain to pluck an alter ego off of a shelf because you think it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. No. Like I said before, you need to have an emotional connection to it, right? You have to, because your brain is a storytelling machine, right? Even right now, you're telling yourself a narrative about this conversation, right? And you're making it about you. It's like, how can I, like when I told you the story about me sitting in the locker room, immediately you're in a locker room and you're thinking about how you could have applied that to yourself. You wouldn't have chosen Walter Payton or Ron Lott. Some of you might not even know who they are just because of age gap, right? You know, and some of you could care less about, you know, Native American tribes because that's not who you're connected to, but you're connected to someone and something. There is a movie that you've watched, a book that you've read, a show that you watch, or someone even in your life. It could be an aunt, an uncle, a grandma, a grandpa, or a friend, or a teacher that you have this deep emotional reverence for. You see them and you go, oh, I wish I had that. That's a little thread. Tug on that thing, right? Because it's just left you with something that is inspiring you and you go, oh, maybe because Grant Henderson, rest in peace, was one of my first mentors. He was a teacher. He was the one who saw something in me more than other people did. And he fed that. He stoked that fire. So he was a part of my little tribe of mentors within. So um, the mistake going back to it that people will make is they'll sort of pluck the alter ego off the shelf and they go, yeah, Superman, I'll, I'll use that one. Cause that sounds like someone or Thor or mm-hmm. Tony Stark or something like that. No, 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 no. Um, uh, unless you have deep reverence for it. Right. Kobe Bryant, we talked about this when he his the inspiration for his um, alter ego came when he was going through back to your question, Kapoor, a trial in his life. It was when he was accused of the sexual assault right. in Colorado. He felt like in his own words, he was losing his identity. Okay. Um, really what it was, well, he said he was losing his edge. That's, those were his exact words. Um, 
because that was permeating his, his entire character. Uh, and so he's watching the movie Kill Bill. And on the screen in the movie Kill Bill is this scene where the Black Mamba comes on. And he thought to himself, just like Bo Jackson did, mm-hmm. when he saw Jason come on the screen, he's like, that's how I need to act out on the court is like the Black Mamba. And, and that's when the form and the shape came into his mind of like, it, now he had a physical representation in his mind for how he wanted to be out there, right? And that's one of the key parts of this process is the power of the alter ego. Matt, to your point about before about, you know, why the book has been one of your favorites is the alter ego method now starts to give form and shape and substance to all of the self-help and personal development and leadership stuff that you've read over the years. It gives it, that's why I want to connect you with Brian Johnson from Optimize because yep. those were his exact words when he did the podcast cast with me. Yep. And he's someone who has done 600 book reviews and given people's what he calls philosopher's notes, which are seven page notes on every single of these books. But he's like, this finally became the method that everything else for personal improvement could attach itself to. It became a usable form for me. So, but when he was talking about um, uh, the uh, going back to Kobe and he was unpacking, that's when he got emotionally connected to it. Mm. So Logan, you need to think about like, if you're trying an alter ego and it's not working, keep trying. You just haven't found the one that's right for this part in here. The emotional self, the story, the, the beating heart of what it takes for Logan to go and do what he wants to go and do. So good. But don't get over, don't add a story in here of like being concerned about being depressed about it. Cause you're don't, don't conflate or don't attach my commentary about affirmations and alter ego. If you're going to affirm anything in life, I wish I'd done it earlier. I wish I'd learned this skill, which is affirm the truth. I'm a 21 year old guy who's close to poor and destitute, making very little money in my business because I'm not taking action. Speak the truth to yourself. There's a lot of power in speaking the truth to yourself, you know? And then just like my, one of my mentors, Jim Rohn would say, he's like, add more to it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a 21 year old healthy guy living in Canada where there's lots of opportunity and all of my physical needs are met and I'm still living poor and destitute almost, and I'm not taking action. Right. Cause that's the truth. Right. And, and some people have caused society to believe that speaking the truth to yourself is somehow beating yourself up. No, you're beating yourself up typically with stuff that isn't true. Like that you're incapable that you don't have what it takes, that the world is against you. All that stuff is wrong. I'm telling you, um, uh, it's uh, Einstein said, one of, the, one of the most important decisions of your life is the decision that you have as to whether or not the universe is a good place or a bad place. Right. Whether the universe is for you or whether the universe is against you. Mm. The most important decision of your life is that one. I happen to believe that the universe is for me. The world around me is a good place. Despite what the media would want to show you right now, I'm telling you, the world is getting better every single day. True story. True story. Mm. Thank you, sir. Sorry to jump in once. So the reason we're using emotion to, we're adding emotion to create that alter ego is precisely the same reason why we are unable to create in our general life like from going from that physical going from that mental to physical level that emotion is what is holding us back so that's why for the alter ego we're kind of using the emotion to be able to do that thing from the mental to the emotion to the physical right 100 100 percent. well and plus you in order for you to attach to like in order for me to um attach myself to the idea of mr rogers again you know if i think okay who's a patient and kind and loving human being oh mr rogers is because i saw this documentary on him once you know you just chose it based on intellect no i chose mr rogers less about intellect but because it's who i would love to be around my kids if i was taken off of the field meaning if i was taken out of the parenting field for my kids who would i want to go and step in for me who am I going to tag on the sidelines to come in for me? Because I want my kids to have a certain life with someone. Well, it's Mr. Rogers. If I could tag anybody to come in and do my job, that's the guy I'm tagging. Think of it that way for yourself. Logan, if you could tag anybody to come in and take the aspirations that you have and carry the heavy load of those aspirations for you, who the fuck is it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Who is it? And you can find it. Or what is it? Because Kobe's wasn't the who, it was a what. Yeah. 
Another quality of alter egos is it's not just people or it's not just superheroes. It can be animals as well. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Talk about that in the book too. Oh, so good. All right, Malachi, we have, uh, we have about five minutes left here with Mr. Herman. We want to honor his time. So you probably have the, uh, the last question here, sir. By the way, before Malachi goes, this is, this is one of my favorite podcast interviews. This is, this is so much fun to be able to do this. Right. I appreciate it so much, man. These guys are amazing young men from all over. I mean, quite literally all over the world and the guys that couldn't be here if they're, you know, at school or whatever, um, they're going to, they'll get the video shipped to them. And then of course we've got people listening to the podcast around the world too. So appreciate you so much pouring into so many people. All right. Let's hear it. Malachi. Malachi, you're up, sir. All right. Thank you, sir, for being here. So, um, there's a, a book by a man named Sean Rogers. He talks about that everybody inside of them possesses a dragon and that that dragon is trauma that you have been through and that in order to be successful, you have to tame that dragon to essentially use it to burn down obstacles. Mm-hmm. So I've thought about that a lot. So my kind of question is like, what do you think the difference is between saying like, I have this dragon that is a part of me that is me and this is how I'm going to use it versus saying this is my alter ego and I'm going to draw from this person. Great question. So the one thing I would caution people on is the use of the language that we use to describe ourselves. Okay. So um, uh, the stuff that happened to me as a kid, that isn't me. That was a part of the story that unfolded with this guy who came on the planet, but it's not me, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's actually one of the things that makes trauma very difficult for us to overcome is, and by the way, guys, I am not a licensed therapist. I don't do this kind of work, but I have a stable of therapists because, you know, I'm poking around between the six inches of people's ears every single day. And there's sometimes I hit a soft spot you know, whether it's an NBA player or whatever, where something happened to them, I am unskilled at, ha- at, at dealing with that stuff. Now I have a lot of skills and I could, could actually maybe go down that road a little bit, but I choose not to because I'm about performance. But the one thing that I know and have learned from people that are far more skilled at handling trauma work than, than me is that um, when you are identifying that thing and taking it on as a part of your soul, like this is who I am. No, it's something, it's, it's not a who thing. It's a what thing. This is what happened to me in a period of time. All right. And in that period, in that experience, nature tells us guys that there, that there are uh, two states that can happen to anything. There's hyperhidrosis and there's hypohydrosis. Water, we're all, t- you got to drink water every single day, right? You drink too much water and hyperhidrosis sets in and you could drown, right? Water is great until you're in the middle of the ocean and you're treading water and there's a storm coming, right? Right. I love water in the morning when I'm thirsty. Don't love it. Treading water in the middle of the ocean, right? right? When there's nothing around me. So the reason that's important is Things are right. Things cannot, nature tells us, which I, which I, by the way, in the work that we do, I think nature is one of the most important teachers because it's grounded in science, right? Some things can be good and some things can be bad. Oh, great. The rain clouds are rolling in and we have a drought going on here. What a welcome sight. Mm-hmm. Large rain clouds coming in, dumping eight inches of water in an hour, not good because the soil can't even absorb it and it creates just a flood going on right? So there's a bit of a balance that's going on here. What I mean, what, why this is important, Malachi, is that experience that happened to me, while I only looked at it as a horrible thing, something can't only be horrible because nature said there has to be something good in it as well. Mm. So one of my next books is titled Cape Ability. Mm. Because I don't talk to people about potential. I think potential is a dirty word. It's actually not allowed in my, in my company because potential has, been, has become this crutch word that people use to excuse away shitty results. Yep. Oh, my kid has so much potential or the team has so much potential. No, no, no. Give me something substantial. Give me some substance here for crying out loud. Capability. Just even think about yourself. 
Antonio, think about the word potential and think about capabilities. Mm-hmm. Noah, thinks about, think about potential versus capability. Doesn't one sound like it's got some more muscle and sinew to it? Potential sounds like it's airy. Capability sounds like it's substantive. It's something, it's there and it's living inside of you right now. Potential I can't do anything with. Your capabilities, I can. So that's why the book is capability, spelled C-A-P-E dash ability. That experience that happened to me gave me a cape and I freaking didn't even see it at the time. Of course, I'm not going to see it at the time because I need some more time and distance. But I didn't see it when I was 20. I didn't see it when I was 30. That moment in time gave me some superpowers. It gave me the incredible compassion and enthusiasm I have for this stuff. Right? Because I look at people on the pet. People can say, I mean, I get trolled all the time online. Like Matt, I've got a profile and some people say some, you know, stupid stuff or whatever. Doesn't bother me. Because all I see is someone who's probably hurt, who's got something going on in their lives. Maybe they had a bad day and I just happened to show up in their newsfeed that day. And I look like someone that they hated when they were in school. Who cares? I don't know. But it gave me a cape ability. It gave me some superpowers, which then because I had an alter ego, thank God I did. It helped me to carry my aspirations forward. So um, the reason I say it went down that line there, uh, Malachi is it's not you. This isn't a part of you. It's a, it's, it's a what thing. This thing happened to that person back in that period of time. I want to just like, I mean, who I am today and who I am when I was 12, that's a different human being even because I've stacked on a whole bunch of capabilities and attributes and traits and knowledge and experience and wisdom since that time. It's a different kid back then. Now, I wish I could go back to that kid and talk to them, but I can't. But don't make things about you. I like, because there's no you. There's many sides of you. Everyone understand that. There isn't one you. There's many sides of you. There's Todd the dad. There's Todd the athlete. There's Todd the business owner. There's Todd the speaker. There's Todd the writer and author. I'm very intentional about each one of those people. Even the way that I run my schedule, there's a tip for all of you. If you do manage your time, manage your calendar based on identity. The very so in the very first block of my day is the 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 scheduling from for the athlete within. He wakes up and he eats something specific to fuel this body, and then the next part of the calendar is dad because then my kids wake up, and the next part of my calendar is the CEO. And then inside of that business world, there's the guy who writes. So now the author is scheduled in there. And at the end of the day, there's dad again and husband that's in there. Way more powerful way to use your schedule. Very much. Very much so. So Duncan, did that help answer? Um, Yes, sir. That is actually a really good answer as like I have never. I had one good answer today. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've, nev- mean, I've never heard of anything of the alter ego. Like I've just, I just started Apogee, so I didn't, haven't done the project yet. Yeah. Um, but that just came into my head. So I'm glad that I got the opportunity. So thank you. For sure. Me too. Well, and not only are you going to take on that, that challenge, Malachi, with the, with the alter ego challenge, what I'm going to do too, is he's, you know, Todd so kindly, not just given us this, this time here to speak with you guys and, and being on the podcast, but, um, you know, offering that, that course to you guys too. I'm going to make sure I, I get, uh, a copy of that book for every single person on this call as well. So I'll, I'll coordinate that with Todd and, and uh, make sure I can order that and get that sent out to you guys uh, as well, man, because it's such, such a powerful, such a powerful premise. Uh, he's such a powerful individual, man. How else can we support you and what you're doing? Um, what else can, what else can we do to, to help you, Todd? Easiest thing um, everyone can do right now is screenshot your your computer yeah. or screenshot your phone, whatever you're on or screenshot your iPad yep. and then tag Matt and I mm-hmm. on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, TikTok or, you know, flip flop, wherever you guys go right. and play on. <laughs> um, and just, you know, share, share your favorite takeaway from the day. 
That's awesome. And, um, you know, if you can hashtag alter ego effect or something like that, that's, that's it. That's all you need to do. We will do. And it. then, um, every now and then leave a nice comment in a, in a Dang social right. media post. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, need, I get enough trolls. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. Todd, uh, brother, I, I can't thank you enough, man, for, for your time here, for just everything you're doing. Um, it is an honor to, uh, to connect. Um, I'll reach out with not only yeah. their emails, but again, I want to coordinate, um, making sure I can grab books for, for all of these guys, uh, and just want to continue to support you, man, in any way we can. So grateful for you, brother. Guys. Have a great one, guys. Give me thank, thank you, sir. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye, everyone. There you go, man. Connect. Check them out at Todd Herman, but go buy the book, Alter Ego Effect. You will not regret it. Uh, and speaking of not regretting, I hope you don't ever regret listening to this because we definitely don't regret having you. And I appreciate you sharing and letting people know about it. Uh, very thankful for all of you. And we'll catch you next time on The Essential 11. See ya.